sweet child of time. Today we're doing our continued rewatch of Wheel of Time. We're on episode six today, The Flame of Tara Balon. And I'm sitting here with the Flame of Chicago. It's the Marshland Monster. Ahoy there, hey, James. Ahoy. Real quick, I don't know if you should. There was a tragic fire that happened in Chicago. I do not want to be <laughs> the cow that lit the flame of Chicago. Okay, he's just the monster of Tar... Uh, the monster of Chicago, we'll say. No, let's say the monster of Tarvalon, a.k.a. the Aes Sedai. That's right. They know. They all know what's going on. Today was a, a really Aes Sedai heavy episode, yes? Mm-hmm. Moraine was like in every single scene. Like, she didn't get any breaks this episode. Good. She's the only qualified. I, I am. Before we get into reviews, there was one review I did not include it because they're like, oh, of course, Rosemund Pike is the best. So, of course, they're focusing on her. W- what do you have? You have a cop from CBS, a this, a that, a former Power Rangers actor. And I wanted to punch this person through the screen because, oh, oh, uh, one of our greatest modern day actresses, the freaking I zombie lady. She was a former Power Rangers actor. Okay, I got you. I thought she was in Wheel of Time, and you really lost me there. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, (laughs) uh, the qualifications, I'm sorry that there's banging in the background. This asshole said, oh, I'm not, I want to leave, and I'd say, would you like to leave, Henry? And he says, nah. Henry is not an asshole. He's adorable. Never call him an asshole again. I love him, okay? (laughs) No, no. You can still love someone, even though they're slightly a butthole. I think if he was really an asshole, I would, I don't know. I kind of draw the line at assholes, James. So I don't agree I, yeah, with me you. Too. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's a jerk sometimes. Okay. That makes more sense. And like right now he's getting to his jerkiness. Yeah. I see him. He's in frame. So I don't know. This is good for me. I don't know about for the listeners, but for me, it's wonderful. Hey kitty. I only see pictures of you usually until I get to see your tail wagon. That's great. He's saying wagon, wagon, dead bodies dragon. It's ICP. Well, now, wasn't Daniel Henney had a pretty big role too in like the uh, in the Marvel universe as well? He played uh, Weapon X. So I mean, you know, they got some big hitters in here. Yeah, I don't know what that dude was talking about. I'm assuming it's a dude they were complaining on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if they were complaining about. Um, Zoe Robbins, let's say in an ex Power Ranger trying to be all crappy about her. Today we're gonna say, Happy birthday, Zoe. She turns 30 today. Whoa! Heck yeah. She posted on Instagram with her buddy Egwene. They're having a little party today, a little Aes Sedai party. So hopefully they're uh they're they're talking about season three right now. I hope they're not talking about anything frivolous. Uh spoiler, sir. I don't know their Aes Sedai. What are you talking about? You said having a little Aes Sedai party. Oh, well, you know, that's what they wanted. I mean, this episode, I don't know. Yeah, so I slipped. Okay, James? It happens sometimes. One of them's like, screw you in the horse you uh, did not force my friend to ride back on (laughs) because she walked all the way there. I'm just speculating. You know, they show up up in the tower today, and then Egwene was all enamored by the seat, and Egwene and Nynaeve was being all haughty like she always is, and I was like, they fit right in here. I'm going to go ahead and consider my... Nah, she's going dark, friend. Just like someone possibly in this episode. I have theories. Okay, all right. Well, let's get to it then. Um, I wanted to ask you first off, man. Um, yeah, with that. 
This is kind of like one of these overarching questions, talking about the Wheel of Time in general. But as of this point, thinking about our characters, is there one that you like maybe like relate to or not your favorite character, but one like you kind of see yourself in at this point? Out of all the characters? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry to ask you like a, a deep question right at the get-go here when we've just been BSing, but I'm just curious because I'm, I mean, I definitely have an answer. Um, that loyal guy. Yeah. And what probably, a- what's her name? Um, Nynaeve. No. That is her name. But which one's Nynaeve? I, I am Zoe Robbins. On, no, what's the other one? Egwene? Egwene, there we go. Okay, you could see- not have pulled that for a million dollars. <laughs> like usually, you're on top of these things, and I'm the one who's struggling with the names. Uh, I don't know, uh, but you see yourself in Egwene as the yeah. uh, the student who is uh, who is getting part of this this world she likes and learning her abilities and getting her feet wet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm more of a yeah. yeah go ahead. Also rejecting the norm because Brand wants to settle down, and I'm like, no, no, no. I want to go see the world and be merry. What's up? Huh? Two for flinching, Rand. (laughs) Come on, bro. (laughs) I see myself as more of like a parent type when you talk about these TV guys because, you know, I don't say a whole lot. Pretty boring for the most part. Um, Hairy fella. So there's that wolf tendencies in there. In the books, I like I definitely relate to Nynaeve more, but this TV version of Nynaeve, I'm nothing like that. She is too cool, too much of a badass, mm. too stoic. That's definitely not me. So I definitely veer to, more towards parent side. Do you want to know why maybe some people might like this episode or some people might hate this episode? I was kind of wondering. I was like, I wonder if there's anything out there, like anybody has written down that they might have liked it or not liked it. and. I was I was like, if they did, I wonder if James might have come across that somehow. Did you? I did. Did I have a name for these review segments? Let's see. At one point, you had a uh, walking down Rosamond Pike, which I liked a lot. All um, right, wait. But Why that wasn't that we... wasn't the name of the segment. That was just okay. a nice turn of phrase that I liked a lot. Because I was like, I don't remember that. I remember saying it, but in <laughs> relation to reviews, I have no idea. Um. Hmm. I think it was Wheel of Swine. No, that yeah. wasn't the Cole thing. Guys, these are uh, reviews of not mine. <laughs> and let's do it. This is for the sixth episode of season one. Insert title. The Flame of Tarvalon. There we go. Wow, we said it a bunch. That's why we were saying <laughs> it. Eight out of ten. Beginning of the end by Ebola... A hija, probably. Ebola? <laughs> uh, <Okay>. Ebola. <laughs> All right. It's an A, not an E. I know how I spell Ebola, dude. All right, Ebola. What you got to say, Ebola? The cinematography and soundtracks of this show are amazing, out of this world, but I'm afraid that what could have been an amazing story will be ruined by the ideas of people who read the books or the creators of this show Mm -hmm. who didn't follow the backstory 100%. Me, as a non-reader, did not find any massive mistakes or errors in this episode. In the contrary... 
it is very it was very good but when i see the bad reviews and read about the changes in the story and the characters makes me wonder if it would be better if they just stuck to the original story <laughs> so what we who didn't read the books should do or what should I think it should be. So what should we who didn't read the books should do? I don't understand that, but I get what they're trying to say. I get but, what they're trying to say, too. Yeah. yeah. What should we do? Absolutely nothing. Just wait <laughs> until you're wait for your Friday and watch the episode and judge it only by your thoughts and yours only. This review, I it's very i included it because it's showing how these negative reviews can affect other people in a way that i never thought thinking oh maybe that they're not going i'm enjoying the ride up until now but maybe they're not going to stick the landing if everyone is like oh this is just not going to stick the landing yeah i can see that um yeah, I, that's why that's one of the main reasons I don't like all the criticisms between the book and the TV because they're two different things. Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. I would say to that person is if you enjoy reading, absolutely. This is a this is a story that you can read that will have a slightly different um, you know, through line than the than the show you just watched. If you like mm -hmm. the show that you just watched, then you'll like the book that is very similar. Yeah. If you're not a reader, then you just do what James said. You just watch the show and you enjoy that. Maybe check out the comic books. Yeah. Because I think the comic books and the graphic novels stuck with the, uh, the book story. So there's always that if, you, um, if you're really missing out. Well, I guess the person who wrote the comic books is a quality writer. Am I right? <laughs> quality copier, huh? Uh-huh. As it should be. Okay, this is 8 out of 10 from Soccer Border, and they actually say 8.8, .8, no bias, and overcome my Wheel of Time book instincts. They marked this as a spoiler, but there aren't any spoilers, and I respect <laughs> okay. them for that. I cool. truly do. Of just like saying, hey, to be safe, I'm marking this as a spoiler. I do that on Reddit when I post on like NADPod, the Nat, Not Another D&D podcast, just okay. to be safe. Like, hey, uh, even though in concept, hey, I'm not spoiling anything, but someone could read that and be like, well, oh, now I'm excited for this. Uh, who cares? They right. state, great character development episode and plot pusher at the same time. I honestly wish there was even more Aes Sedai politicking, much better than the last episode. I wish this episode was representative of every episode. Exposition didn't feel awkward like in episodes one and two. I'm not quite sure how people won't like this episode. Honestly, can't wait for the next one in the ways, baby. Yeah, agreed. At this point, you've seen Time Bandits with me. You watch that. Begrudgingly. Right? But uh, yeah, when they step into the ways at the end, that's always what I thought about was Time Bandits. And oh, do yeah. you kind of see that comparison now that you've seen that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that might be the only um, thing about this episode that uh, I didn't love the most was like the the introduction of the ways. Other than that, I agree with the person. I think every plot point, I think all the undercurrents and the politics, they worked great. 
Where, where are you upset because the Ogier built them for the Aes Sedai, but the ice the Ogier are unable to use them and travel through them because the magic being pulled from uh, the so many freaking reviews were talking about that. Um, that is one of my notes I wrote uh, down here. So I, hey. I didn't love that either. I got to admit. <laughs> But I wouldn't like go so far as to like take points off for it. But I did think it was interesting that that's okay. how they had to get into the ways was through the Aes Sedai. So yeah, uh, I kind of agree with some of those naysayers there. Did you happen to have any of those uh, those goofy reviews where they really get into uh, details about that? No, uh, I have. A, I'll say, nearly all the negative reviews are the same exact ones that we have <laughs> seen with added homophobia. Oh, it, it just it sucks oh, so because bad of, because of Moraine and Swan. OK, yeah. Of okay. people saying like, well, I'm f-, it's always like the well, I'm fine with it, but this wasn't how the book was. And, you know, <laughs> oh, they can't just have a friendship and be good. And one person criticized for having a and from doing this movie's gay. Corwin would teach me about the backstories of the MPAA and how whenever you see like if you were to see a sex scene in like a PG-13 movie, you're like, wow, that's pretty intense. I can't believe they allowed that. But if a man and a man were to kiss and make out, it will be rated R. Hmm. So one person criticize this for having an in quotes gratuitous lesbian sex scene there was nothing gratuitous about it it was just lips touching right i didn't yeah. see anything besides that uh, do they say that badass line of uh, bend up like <laughs> bow on your knees hell yeah of course but that's only implying something there's nothing right. gratuitous about that but the it's you just these people just saw non hetero sex or it was implied of non hetero sex and you were appalled by that because you're a fuck boy acting like the MPAA. <laughs> I mean, they I guess they didn't need to add Moraine and Swan, you know, being partners like this, but this is exactly how it happened in the books, minus the fact that they were a couple. Mm hmm. Um, but it's exactly the same. So I don't see how it couldn't have led to a romantic relationship, especially if they both lean that way. And it draws for a different character development on the show. You know that Swan is going to have a different outcome. Moraine is going to have a different outcome now. So that's interesting to me. Even if you're like, I, screw you if you think it's like uh, screw me no 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 Uh, screw (laughs) people who are like oh two women kissing is yucky I'm trying to even if you think this was unnecessary the added line of her calling back to now bow on like put your head and bow on your knees like that callback in this instance is the greatest line read and callback in any show I've seen. It's right. so badass and cool. Yeah, because it's, I mean, you, on the surface, it's sexual. And on the subsurface, it's it works because, you know, one is dominant, the other is not. Mm-hmm. And then they have to switch those roles in secret. It's wonderful. You're right. Hell I mean, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Um 
I have one actual bad review, and I only <laughs> pulled it for one sentence, so I took out a lot of it. So okay. this is 5 out of 10. I'm losing my patience from M-N-U-N-N-S-19... <laughs> Fifty two five. Maybe that I don't know. They said open minded. I have kept any criticisms to myself so far. I have approached each episode with excitement rather than dread and tried to separate my knowledge of the books from this vision. So see it afresh. But in this episode, I found myself castigating my television set. That's the line I bolded. I found myself castigating (laughs) my television set. Sir, what do you do with a castigated television set after you've done castigated it? It was also calling it a television set in 2022 is so funny. So it was this episode that threw him over the edge. I I, I don't see it. I mean, did he specify yeah. exactly what it was that was it that scene? Was it the fact that Swan and Moraine are together? I think it was. It was just <sighs> baby. Also, like I think because it was in quotes boring, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, it the Ice and I are made to be like a high school drama," and it's like, yeah, they're that's how politics are. And a lot of viewers are kids as well. We don't we don't want to leave the kids out. So if yeah. there's something that people can relate to, then keep it in there. Also, in the books, they're teenagers, right? The yeah, the, they're definitely much younger than this. Yes, it's insane that these like old men are like, I want my teenage books back. Like it's <laughs> it's bad. Oh, they're they're ruining these teen characters. No. We're watching Young Rock. I'll make this really quick. And they they had a scene in it where as a teenager the rock is crossing the the football field like a chain link fence and there's just all these assistant coaches cat calling him in ways of like oh man you got that big body you should come play for us and of course like oh oh this is so gross and i remember on Sklarbro country when they would have people who used to play in like college football or actual athletes Coming on and being like, yeah, in retrospect, scouts are kind of creepy of your it's their job to monitor teenagers in high school and then kind of wine and dine them to come to their college. I've I've always thought the whole situation was bizarre and Uh they have to like, yeah, monitor their bodies and like that person has a perfect build for such and such and that's going to be a running back and that's going to be a quarterback and etc and it is kind of gross isn't it yeah so if you're trying to oh they need to protect my fantasy about my fantasy novel not your fantasy your fantasy novels about some teenagers hanging out and oh are they gonna be the dragon who knows come on and talking about football too i I wanted to make this brief but also very side note is that you know the super bowl was just on recently and i did not watch it i don't know if you did or not i doubt you did did you watch the super bowl james I used to just go to parties and, you know, eat food there, but because of pandemic, we haven't been doing that. But you didn't watch it on your own? 
Oh, no. No, me neither. There's no reason to. But I wanted to say that the commercials that I also did not watch, but I heard that every single commercial had like an A-star actor in it. Like they uh-huh. all contain like actors. So that kind of sucks if you're like a, you know, smaller actor trying to get into the scene, trying to get your way into commercials. There's no shot of it anymore because you have all these bigger actors taking the smaller actors jobs. And I've always kind of thought it was the same thing as as if um, professional level football players went and started playing high school and college football and just kind of elbowed those guys out of the way and like, Hey, we're the, we're the pros. So we're going to start doing this now. So there's nowhere for the, for the high school and the college guys to play. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same situation here, but it's with actors instead. So that's always just kind of bugged me that when you see like a huge actor in stars, I mean, in commercials, when it should be, you know, the, the up and comers doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, you don't need the extra money. The people who are actually commercial actors need that money. Also, if you're not going to get like – if someone were to be like, hey, James, make a rock and roll song, I'm going to suck at it. <laughs> and then if you were to be like, hey, Steve, make a rap song, you're probably going to suck at it. I mean rap's a lot easier to do, guys, but pretty much anyone can do it. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> You thought I was shitting at it, but no, that's the beauty of it. It's the greatest art form. But yeah, uh, wheel of time, baby. Wheel of time, baby. We're talking about the flame of Tarvalone now. We're going to go on into, I guess, our first scene. There's not too much I have to say about the first scene here with Swan and her dad, but uh, I think this has to do with classism. I think they're trying to show you that she comes from a pretty lowborn place, and now she's sitting on the Amarillan seat and you hear a lot of these whispers throughout this show, this episode, especially that, you know, she's not fit. She's not a strong enough leader. And I kind of wonder if that might have to do with classism. People don't see her as, you know, as strong as she should be because she doesn't have the background of Mm -hmm. like a higher lady or something. Uh, It doesn't really say it's explicitly, but could be, I don't know. And I also liked on that first scene, too, that her dad told her that she needs to uh, continue practicing knots, like with her actual hands, to not get lazy. I really like that. I might have said that in the recap, too, but I thought that was a pretty strong moment where, like, he wants her to, you know, do two ways. Know know a backup plan. Don't just rely on your magic. Yeah, just in case you get stilled. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? (laughs) The last note I had about this first scene, James, is... When this scene was over, a little thing flashed on my screen and it said, skip intro. And I realized, I was like, James has to jump for the remote control every episode and like actively push that skip intro button in order to skip the intro like he does every week. Okay, so (laughs) one of my goals in 2023 and 2024 is to get YouTube premium money. And I bring this up because there are so many commercials on YouTube. So I just always have the remote next to me <laughs> because if it's next to Nicole, Nicole just f- just zones out and forgets right. like, oh, I can skip this ad. So that's why I just quickly skip. Yeah, well, I realize that this episode because like, you know, 
I was like, he's got to actually scramble for it. Cause I scrambled for it this month, this week, cause I was in a hurry. So I had to scramble for it. So I was like, I'm living out James's lifestyle right now, jumping for that remote control, hitting that button, skipping the intro, never seeing it. That's okay. We're going to the next scene. There's lots of eyes to happening. I, you- I have one th- quote from that. A wise woman knows the breaking point of her line. I like that. Oh, that was what her dad said. Yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, most of this next scene, I timed it. it. We're like 20 minutes into the episode by the time we leave this meeting with the hall. So there's a lot that they say here. I don't really have, I mean, I do have a, a lot of notes I wanted to go over here, but I wanted to give you an opportunity first, James. I guess I'll go over like the main overarching thing here, is, which is they're brought before the hall, uh, before the Armorillon seat. She wants to speak with Loghain. She wants to dress down Leandrin. But Leandrin quickly shifts the blame and the attention over to Moraine. And that's how the scene is ended with the Armorillon seat and Moraine kind of going head to head. So what I had on, I, I might have brought, the, or I don't think I did bring it up last time. It's just crazy that it's not this man's fault that he went mad. Yeah. He is able to channel, and because of that, like, it, it's weird that we're kind of dealing with mental health issues and problems mm-hmm. here. This is truly a man who had no choice in the matter, and instead of, like, giving him the wish, or it's, it's like some, like a serial killer, like, besides, like, were uh, I'm trivializing but how they are dealing how they are dealing with him is this is a serial killer and we are not going to put him on death row we are just going to study him no matter how badly he wanted to die by suicide by cop whatever (laughs) like we that did not happen so we are just going to study him and learn from him no matter how miserable he is. However, this is not a manipulative serial killer. This is someone who was manipulated by an outside entity that polluted the entire magic pond that is whatever it is for men. I guess I'll come back at you and ask you to remember the first guy that we saw in this first episode, the first guy that channeled and he had like his twin with him there that was telling him what to do and Leandra instilled the guy like on site. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Mm-hmm. So that dude also could channel and he also didn't have, you know, he didn't have any say in it, but he didn't go around assembling an army and he didn't go around proclaiming himself the dragon he was he only was thought of himself as a guy who could channel that was kind of going crazy Loghain actually believed because he could channel that made him the dragon so that's kind of on Loghain um I but I think it's it, let's say he's just channeling and he wasn't as afraid to channel as another or maybe it hadn't been beaten in his head of like, hey, if you channel one, you're going to go mad. And oh, clearly he wasn't told that. And two, the I said, I will steal you and you will have a miserable life. Keep this on the down low. <laughs> so as he's channeling more and more, 
because he wasn't told either of those two things, the darkness is getting into him more so than another person. It would be like if I have two buckets and one of them, ha- it's it, there's sand on top and one has like big holes to filter through the sand and one has tiny little holes of a mm-hmm. filter the tiny little holes, maybe a couple sands going to go through. That's the man in the beginning. But the man gotcha. who's been channeling, he those holes are there. Yeah. So I think still it's not his fault because he's not being – he himself doesn't believe he's the dragon just being like, hey, I woke up. I think I'm the dragon. We can see the individuals who were being presented to as – Oh, which one of these is the dragon? They're not waking up thinking, hey, I'm the dragon. The dark one is telling this individual, you are the dragon. And because of this madness, that is making them more impressionable in this situation. No, I, um, I'll disagree again. Um, the dark what? one, the dark one, is not telling him that he is the dragon because the dark one doesn't even know who the dragon is. Remember, so this guy Logan on well, his, well, yeah, go but ahead. who's whispering to him? Those are that's the madness, basically. Okay, so that's but just the, that's part of his own psyche. Madness that's enhanced by his own psyche. So he's okay. basically telling himself these things, but he's believing himself at the same time. Okay, who put that madness in the well? Put the madness in the well. What do you mean? Oh, why is there oh, a darkness you mean like the, for the, men? Like, yeah, the original dark one. Yes. Yeah, so the Dark One is still influencing this individual to destroy the world. Indirectly. But I'm just saying, like, that's what this Dark One wanted. True, but then at the same time, though, Loghain, he wasn't going around acting rash. Um, I mean, he was, like, he was assembling an army, but at the same time, he was pretty benevolent. Um, He didn't, like, murder the king or take any, you know, he was benevolent to everybody, and instead of... Um, having somebody be your enemy, he was turning them into his allies. And even when he was at the camp and he was talking to Moraine and all them after he had gotten out of the prison, I kind of got the gist that he was not going to be difficult to work with. Yeah, so I, yeah, this, that furthers my point. I said I are bad. (laughs) Okay, yes. And then you were saying that, um, you know, they're, they're keeping him alive so they can study him. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody knows that that is going to be a very, very short amount of time because the life expe- his life expectancy now is weeks because people, men generally don't last long. People, I should say, don't last long after they're stilled. Um, they'll either take their own life or the life gets sucked out of them straight up. So I don't think anybody's expecting him to live a long life here, himself included. Well, hey, he was a benevolent leader. Who (laughs) cares if he was being convinced through this madness that you guys are trying to take out whatever. (laughs) It's not this man's fault. Again, this is an allegory in my mind for mental illness. And I said I are handling it very improperly. Yeah, especially Leandrin, because she's the one who like who was really on board with that whole thing. And okay, a couple weeks ago, uh, you have a theory that Tom is a possible dark friend. Yes, we know by this point that um, that our boy uh, Padane Fane is a dark friend. He reveals mm-hmm. that later on, and it's already pretty clear that he is at this point anyway. 
Um, I'm really suspicious of Leandrin at this point. I think anybody who watches the show is probably suspicious of Leandrin just through Not like me. her. No, you think she's just a upstanding, just great, getting along with everybody. I mean, in <laughs> the sense shifty of like, about her. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the sense of she is uh, like our rules are meant to protect everyone else, not our sisters. She is not following that. That's shady. The person who I think either a dark friend or is being specifically manipulated by the dark one himself is the Amarillo seat. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting as hell. Um, I was going to name another person that could be a potential, but I want to let you roll. Do you have a reason behind that or is this just like, okay, great. And it only because this is a a rewatch. Okay. We know at the end of this, the dark one was not out and about. Like he needed something to happen and is set free in some way. Like something happens that makes him stronger, whatever Meringue and Rand do. Right. And this is specifically put into motion by the Amarello seat saying, hey, he is weak right now. We can get him because he has been in my dreams and I am seeing that. This fucker went into her mind or she is a dark friend. I don't think it's that. I think she is being manipulated through her dreams and she is being shown what the dark one wants her to see. And by that, she is being manipulated into saying, hey, this is the time to strike. He is weak. But still getting stronger. But all along, this is exactly what the Dark One wanted. That is interesting as all can be, James. I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm not going to add anything to it because this is your theory. So I, I don't want to blow it one way or the other. I will also say. Yes. There are actually, yeah, for her truly being on the Dark One's side. I This is reading into things. And you said last episode, hey, what's this parsimonyms about? Yeah. Her explaining, hey, the everything is set into motion right now. You what you wish so badly that you could have the life that you wanted and you're upset with how things have turned out now. And that's it. And she says, that's how I felt. That's how I feel right now. Everything is set into motion and we have been chosen to do what we need to do. She could be saying like, hey, I am unfortunately with the dark one now. There's nothing I can do with this. This has been set into motion. This is what I need to do because that's what the wheel has dictated. Dang. Okay. Yeah, I was going to have you um, think about another character too. So I want you to think about another possible potential dark friend I'm going to throw at you. You better not say loyal. I would never, ever say loyal. I am loyal to loyal, 100%. And this is is just speculation just based off the TV show, what I've just seen. So I've already told you about what I think about Leandrin and the Persimmons thing. So in this episode, we see Alana step up for Leandrin, like unprovoked, step step up for Leandrin and kind of back her. And everybody's just kind of think that's weird that a green would stick up for a red. It's like, it's like if Jerry stuck up for Tom for something, it's just not going to happen. And if it does happen, it's going to be weird. 
Also, you have Alana. Ever since Moraine has been around, Alana has been asking her all kinds of personal questions, asking her questions about like when they were kids together. Um, you know, it could just be normal politicking. But I think that the fact that she stuck up for Leandrin right there and then the fact that she's all up in Moraine's business a lot doesn't look good for her. I'm not mm-hmm. as verbose as you are, but I, <laughs> I, I just thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and and I think that's all I had to say about that whole long 20-minute scene right now. Uh, Did you have any other points to make before we move on? Yeah, just one. Mygen, like, (laughs) it sucks that fantasy names are seeping into real-life names. Yeah. I will not say it because I went to high school with someone and just – they followed the same format of taking a normal name – and then switching one of the syllables and making it a fantasy name and right. gave that to their firstborn child. And I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> I, I I think it's only cool when the baby is unborn and then when it's a baby. Once it can start talking and you have to address it, I think that's when it kind of falls apart. <laughs> These funky will- names. <laughs> I will also say, like, if it rolls off the tongue, okay, whatever. But, like, yeah. it's two, like, hard consonants that, like, follow each other in this name that I will not say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's bad. So it's not even a good name. So I guess it's similar to Magden, which is a pretty bad name also, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was, like, Megan, but Mygan. Yeah, something like that. I, I don't remember, honestly, to... Uh, I thought it was a was a mouthful of a name to say that you cannot just you call her M. Hey M, what's mm-hmm. up? Hey May. Well May, we're going to a commercial here. We'll be right back, James. And we're back from break. Hello again, James. Hello. There, there you are. Okay, so we're going to step up to the next scene here, which is our Matt and Rand scene, when they go and uh, take the magic out of the dagger. Uh, I like this one a lot. I was going to ask you before uh, what your favorite scene from this episode was, and I'm going to tell you right now. It was this one. Uh, I didn't love the special effects, but I loved the the action, and I loved the fact that like all the weird, evil magic went into Moraine and then into the knife. I like that image of her with her mouth all gross looking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't like how it, they nerfed it and then it <laughs> only took one Aes Sedai, but it should have taken several hours with like seven Aes Sedai. <laughs> Did you have any notes about this scene at all? Because there's, um, you know, it's, it's a big scene, but I don't think there's much to talk about on the rewatch, really. No. Okay, like the main thing I wanted to bring up was that, um, yeah, when she kind of dresses down Nynaeve here, I think that was like the quote of the week, I believe, is when she tells, if you want to, if you, <laughs> if you want to claim the title of wisdom, you best start using some. And I would say the same thing to you, James. If you want to call yourself the marshland monster, you better start acting like one. If you want, you you better start being Marsh Man. <laughs> you better start being Marshall Monster. You need to start being a monster. You're too nice, James. You need to get out there and spread your wings and be evil. 
That's what Betsy Sidaro called me. What? Evil? She called me. She said Marshall Monster and uh, <laughs> Mono Agapian was like, no, 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 Marshland. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 but also Marshall Monster. <laughs> You're hyping the ranks there. So we got the hot tub scene with Mog- Mogadun <laughs> is next. And the only thing I liked about this was a little subtle message system where like they put like a little thing on the towel and then she knows something's going on. I dug that a lot. I want to look for more of that mm-hmm. in the future. And that signal was Egwene and Perrin. We're going to move on to those kids. Yeah, there's really not much else to say here either, except for that I liked the fact that, um, oh, that doesn't happen here. I was going to say I like the fact that they did the ma- the bond masking for sexy time for <laughs> for Moraine mm-hmm. and uh, and Swan, but that's not quite in the scene. That's the next scene after that. Oh, yeah, this is when she tells um, Perrin and Egwene to keep that Wolf Brother stuff to yourself because there's not many of those around. And in fact, we, I don't, we haven't met anybody like that so far in this story. And yeah, even I said, I don't trust those guys. So keep it to yourself, Perrin and Egwene. <laughs> keep it in your pants, that wolf dick. Oof, Harry. All right, James. My- yeah, go ahead. My next notes are really just, uh, I think, after they make love, what they talk about, and then the direct end. Before that point, though, um, Leandrin, again. I always bring up Leandrin because I I love her. (laughs) I've made that no secret. I love to hate her. And when they talk about her connection to a man in North Harbor, they make it sound like it's a possibility it could be a lover. I don't think so. I think that, again, speaks to some possible dark friendness where she's meeting some guy and it's well known that she doesn't like guys. And we see her caressing Moraine's face at some point last episode. But she's meeting up a guy, meeting up with this dude on the reg in North Harbor I think she's up to no good, and I don't think it's sexy no good. Okay, the, I I don't think it's a no good dark. Th- I, it, but you saying like most stilled men don't have long for this world. Right. I was thinking maybe it's a formerly stilled man, or we don't know her life before this. Right. It could be a it could be a kid. Ooh, like a, a a son of hers. Oh my god! I hope it is the case because then they could like hold that kid hostage and be like. Leandrin, stop being a bitch or we're going to kill your kid. And she'd be like, okay, all right, I'm on your side now. Uh, Okay, don't do that, guys. (laughs) Also, I just realized all my notes are before this. So when the seat and Meringue are first talking, I think, they mention that ships or someone's mentioned ships keep disappearing in the south. And from the trailer we've seen, I can only assume that that has to do with the uh, ship people that we see in the season two trailer. Yeah, I, that's I had that written down here, too, and I also skipped over it. So, yeah, that was Magden that was saying something about that. And that's the only other ships that we see. We don't see any other ship situations at all in this show, with the exception mm-hmm. of that ferry that gets destroyed. And yeah, at, they keep talking about these things happening in their world that we're not seeing. One of them they talked about was like an army 
being built up in Geldan. And now we know that is the, that was the false dragon's army. Mm-hmm. And then we hear about ships disappearing. And th- that's the first thing I thought about too, was those other weird foreign, pretty evil looking ships that we saw um, at the end of the, at the end of the season. Or it could be Team Rocket with a Gyarados. Which Team Rocket? There's so many Team Rockets, James. I know of three Team Rockets. Uh, but Team wait, I mean from Pokemon because I said a Pokemon, but do you okay. mean there are multiple teams of Team Rocket within Pokemon? No, no, no. There's the Pokemon Team Rocket. Then there's the uh, the Team Rocket, Rocket from Rocket Power. Force. And Rocket Force? Rocket Power. Rocket Power, yes. Okay, yes. okay. And then there's another team rocket that you were talking about that I was confused about. When? Uh, on our Discord chat. And that's the reason I posted up that picture of team rocket. Because I was like, anytime you say team rocket, this is what I think about. You're talking about another oh. team rocket in another podcast of yours. What is it, James? I have no idea. Jesus. <laughs> uh, it could also be the Rockets team from Reese Puffer High School. Oh, no, 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 no. It's from... um. You and Sean, y'all talk about Team Rocket on uh, the Marshland Media podcast, the uh, Sweaty ch- sweaty Times. There's a Team Rocket that wrestles. Oh, uh, not that I'm aware of. That's a Sean thing then. Well, I guess it's a Sean thing then, but yeah. So we got a, Much- we got a Lucha Libre Team Rocket. We don't have a Wheel of Time Team Rocket, do we? You're just wishing for one, so it doesn't exist. But speaking of Gyarados, Gyarados is a dragon type, and there can be multiple Gyarados. So, do we <laughs> think that this dragon is multiple dragons? Are there a few in this TV show? I kind of hope it is, but in the case that, like, sometimes when you get a Hydra, there's a more dominant head right. and then some smaller heads. I hope that's what it is. Like, you have the leader of the pack. And then, ooh, maybe it's Perrin. And then you have the assists. Okay, but then, do you remember who it was that told us that it could be a multi-headed dragon? It was a Gleeman that said that. A Gleeman suggested it could be a many-headed dragon. Who's the only Gleeman we know so far? Your boy, Tom. Do you trust Tom at this point? (laughs) I don't. So, I don't know. I mean... I kind of put two and two together in this episode because that is what she says is a Gleeman spoke of a many headed dragon. Mm -hmm. So unless it was a different Gleeman, it had to have been Tom that told her that. And if it was Tom, he could either be um, misleading her if your theory is correct, or he could be, you know, speaking about something that has happened in the past that he's privy to because, you know, Gleeman know a lot more than your average person. Mm hmm. But he, but it's it all signs point to it was Tom that told her that about the many headed dragon. Yeah. So you want to know? What? We'll throw that out. I don't know. I mean, I, I like the theory too. I like them all helping each other. But it seems to me like as of right now, with what we know with this season, all signs point to Rand. Right? Does it? Doesn't it? As uh, with my theory of they just got owned and punked, they only needed Ran or they only needed one of them to help break this bond and help him leave and be able to go somewhere else to get stronger. Well, we know Nynaeve is like the strongest we've ever seen. So she would be a Mm -hmm. pretty darn helpful dragon. 
I mean, we've we've seen sparks in all of them, actually. I mean, the least so in Egwene, but even so, I mean, she's got something there and she's got skills. It, we are also told, like, in a previous episode that, like, hey, going it alone is bad. Like, mm. don't do that. Yeah. Holy shit, they're all the dragon. They all should have gone. But because this dude's like, I love doing things by myself, they kind of <laughs> screwed themselves. Well, who was the one dude does sing up by himself? It looks like Matt at this point, because we say bye bye to Matt. And bye. I'm not sure if we see him again, like in this season. I think that's the last time we saw Mr. Dolan, not Donald Finn, Barney Harris. That's this Barney Harris Matt. Uh, I love the guy. I love Barney Harris, and I'm sad that we haven't seen him in anything else, and I'm sad that he's not going to be in this again. I wasn't sad until I thought about it just now. I'm like, oh, that's going to be the last time we see the guy. Eh. <laughs> Those are all my notes, though. Yeah, one of the, one of the notes I had was uh, somebody said at one point that if you go to the eye of the world... You're going to finish the job that you have started in a previous life. And I like the sound of that a lot because there's a lot of things that I have started in this life that I still have not finished. And I'm not sure if I'm going to. There's a lot of songs on my hard drive. There's probably a lot of songs on your hard drive that are like halfway done, three quarters done, but you kind of walk away from them. At least I know in my case there are. So I hope that in a future life, a new Steve comes, a new younger, cooler, hipper Steve comes, finds what I've laid for him, and then goes forth as the ultimate there's just Steve. Some, there's just some beats that I will have started and then be like, ah, this isn't working. But generally when it comes to writing a song that I'm writing lyrics to, they all get made. Well, all right, Mr. Confidence. Okay. We can't all be like you, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm the, like ty- early I'm the type that comes up with a cool riff and I'll go and record it and then nothing else happens. <laughs> like early on in like 18, 19, though, that era of me, there's a few that I recorded mm. like a verse for mm-hmm. and then I would never release them. But there's not a lot like whatever I have recorded. It's generally out there and you can listen to it right now. Speaking of which, hey, man, you got to check out this. No one. Hey, I've never even told you about that. I'm on Comatose's new project that was released today secretively because he's on Horror Crunk Entertainment now. You didn't tell me that, but I knew it already because I saw it online. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, congrats on that Horror Crunk thing. man. I like seeing what you're doing over there. And I'm going to take a brief second here to see if I have any more notes and see if we can move on, James. So give me one second, okay? Because we jumped around all over the place. (laughs) I didn't like that Moraine opened the Waygate, James. I didn't like it. (laughs) We don't have time to get into it. I'm so tired. I guess the last note here I got to say is this exile that Moraine gets from the hall and everything that Moraine says to Swan and vice versa are all true. No lies being said, but they are really, really good at this double talk. They are really good at this telling the truth by just saying the right amount of words. It's mm-hmm. something I'm I'm trying to do in my life. I'm no good at it. I speak way too much. 
they're great at this. And I love the way that they leave it really open-ended until the mother calls you home. That could be tomorrow. You know, it's not a big deal. That's you get what I'm trying to say. Like they, like the whole thing is like you're exiled until I tell you to come back. When it's all orchestrated by you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they do a really good job of covering up, um, that they are in love and more importantly that they're working together. The fact that they're in love is kind of like, I don't think anybody, anybody being like the Aes Sedai in their world, I don't think that would be the kind of thing that they would like, uh, take Swan off the, the throne for, but the, the thing that they're working towards, which is like secretly trying to find the dragon, uh, that is like grounds for stealing for both of them. So that's why they mm-hmm. got to keep up this this front and they do a little too good of a job at it. I mean, they don't have to like beat each other each other's throats this way. They could just, you know, be indifferent to one another and that would be fine, I would think. But Oh, and Magden, she's the one who tried I, I I'm not even saying her name right, but she's the one who kind of grounded Moraine and that's the whole reason that she had to do this whole exile thing was because of her because she got grounded by the the blue head and the blue head was all like, you've been out there for two years and now I want to go and check out those ships. Like she wants to get out there and do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the whole reason that all went down. So thanks a lot, Magnan. She doesn't get her way anymore though, because now Moraine's out there and she can do all her stuff. So uh, they're just going to get Egwene to be a blue and then she's like I can leave now <laughs> like most managers do what do you think would do you think Egwene would go towards the blue if she became an Aes Sedai yeah she wants to see the world so why not yeah I guess that makes sense she could be a gray she could be a diplomat in that way um she could be a red go out hunting for oh, men no. I mean I, I don't no. I don't like that either but maybe she does I don't know I see her more no, of a blue I, though you're right I think it's for multiple reasons a blue that or the librarian that would be but for her specifically saying hey I want to see the world we know that about her and when you're interested in something and the first person you meet in that realm you're generally going to gravitate more towards their thing especially if they're open with you about it of like hey this is how things work here this and that Uh, i want to teach you that's going to make you more inclined to follow that person's sect opposed to like oh well let me see everything else no i I already know the cool person here (laughs) but hey maybe now that she's out she's like well but she's not there end up following her and all that i don't know yeah okay i can see that um, well, one last question before we head out here. What about Nynaeve? If she were to go this route now, we saw that she like healed like a mother, like she healed everybody in the room, but at the same time, she's always hanging out wearing green. She's really, she's really into the warder thing. So do you have any guesses? Like what, uh, what I said, I, she might want to go towards, uh, for sure healing or because like, oh, I can heal and uh, was she told? Yeah, she was told like, hey, we get the white cloaks were like, hey, we hate the Aes Sedai, but the only person who can heal you is a healer, meaning 
the people who hate the Aes Sedai the most still respect this specific sect of them. Yeah. So she's like, oh, these are the best out of all of them when it comes to we're not going to turn anyone away. We will heal you. Or a diplomat to be like, oh, I'm going to shake things up here and I'm going to show the world what we can be and actually do that. Right. Okay. Yep. And yeah, what you were saying earlier about them kind of like being like teenagers, like in a school, I think that was like during one of the negative reviews, somebody was saying it was very... I got a lot of that gist too. Like when they walked out of the hall with their warders and they got confronted by the Reds and they were having like a little argument and they had like this whole like audience around them listening to their argument. That was very Harry Potter in my opinion. Like that was strong Slytherin um, Gryffindor vibes going on there. I've never seen it, but I've seen like clips of it. It's also (laughs) the West Wing. It's literally any politics show ever created. Hey, Henry, you see this dude? He's adorable. I saw him up there earlier Then I didn't see him for a long time. Now he's back. Welcome to podcasting, buddy. I love him. And he's got the heart right behind him too. I mean, this is just, I want to take a picture of you right now. This is great. (laughs) Henry, you made me lose my last thought. I had one more thought I was going to go with that and it's gone. Thanks a lot, Henry. You're going to say, whoa, man, what's these plugs, baby? I was going to say, what's going on with plugs today? Stevie's got a new podcast and it dropped today. I got a new podcast I'm doing called This Week in Animals. It's a weekly podcast and you can find it the same places, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, etc. And this week I had a guest named Nate Dunn from Voidmaster and Drone Gazer. And that's the song we're playing this week is Drone Gazer's Whispers of Silent Gods. Did I get that backwards? I hope not, Nate. This one's for you, buddy. So yeah, check that out and check me out on intro.void and James, do you have any plugs for this week? I have a feeling you do. MLMPod.com, Marshland Monster, Patreon.com forward slash MLMPod. Those were the most enthusiastic plugs you'll ever get anywhere on the web. And James, I appreciate you doing this with me every week. We, you got next week off, buddy. Next week, I'm going to be podcasting on Sweet Shot of Time with the aforementioned Nate Dunn and Lindsay Dunn. No relation, just the same last name. We're going to do Whoa. an 1899 season retrospective, and we're going to watch the making of 1899. So next week, our boy James has off, so you get to go relax, put your feet up, and do nothing all day, right? No, I have many recordings. (laughs) I'm teasing. James is busy a lot, and I'm very lucky to have him. Um, We did your plugs. You did them very unenthusiastically. So we're at the end of the show here. Um, Thank you very much for listening. And until next week, may you always find water and shade. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.